If your Bibles are open to Matthew 5, or if they were not, you can open them to Matthew. You can turn a few more chapters to chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18 is our scripture reading for this morning. Matthew chapter 18 and verses 1 through 14. The scriptures say, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted, and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, Cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life, halt or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye, rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you, that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man is come to save them which was lost. How think ye, if a man have an hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and goeth into the mountains, and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. May the Lord bless his word. Luke chapter 15. And I do want to say especially... A thanks to uh, our brother Micah, who brought our young people, some of our teen young people, along with Emmanuel, thank you, Emmanuel, to the tri-state camp this past weekend. And uh, it's good to see you here. Raheem is here and went, and Jackie Douglas and Joshua Lyons went. And then this, pray for him, this weekend they'll be taking the junior age as well. So, uh, Michael, you'll be leading. Do you have a, another sponsor going with you? Oh, Sister Esther. Thank you, Esther, so much for doing that. That's such a blessing. And praise God for our young people at Heritage. Amen. Amen. And thank the Lord we have young people from all ages, from the ones just born all the way going into college. And, and those of you going to college, you really need to think strongly about Christian education. You know, go to a good, if, if God's called you to preach, go to a good Bible school where you can learn to preach, like Ambassador, like Crown College, like Pensacola. Somebody here is from Pensacola. Eric, uh, Eric, I did it again. It's not Eric, it's um, Alex, I'm sorry. This, Eric is your dad's name. 
I feel like I know your dad already. <laughs> but, uh, or, you know, or maybe a, a, a Christian liberal arts type college. I went to a very good Bible conference this past year in Ankeny, Iowa at Faith Baptist Bible College. There are good Bible colleges and we, as Christians, especially, we, we see what's going on in the, in the uh, universities and how they're really indoctrinating our young people. They're not teaching as much as they're indoctrinating a worldview that is anti-God, anti-Christ. And we need to understand that. I, I believe we do. But we really do need to prayerfully consider our children going to Christians, Christian education and to prepare them for the world. Okay, Luke chapter 15. I've been doing this series in the parables, and today we're going to do the parable of the lost sheep. We read Matthew 18, where the parable of the lost sheep is given in Matthew 18. We're going to go to Luke 15, and I'll read verses 1 through 7. This is the more well-known parable of the lost sheep, but amazingly, every parable is so unique, but of course Luke 15 is... You could say it's one parable, the parable of lost things, but there's three parables into it. And I'll say more about this because I'll be preaching on all of them individually. But it's, it, you could say it's one parable, but really it's, they, they do three of them are individual. But really, this Luke 15 is so amazing because it gives a picture of the triune God at work. Here, the shepherd pictures our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that the woman sweeping pictures the Holy Spirit at work through the church and, of course, the father. And in the third part of the parable of the prodigal son and the elder brother who also seems to be lost in some kind of way. But, but this parable of the lost sheep is given in two contexts that are completely different. Luke 15, the context is publicans and sinners are hearing Jesus. In Matthew 18, the context is little children are like the lost sheep that Jesus saves. So whoever is lost, Jesus loves you. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Who is lost? Those who don't have Jesus. If you don't have Jesus, the Bible says you're lost and you need a Savior. You need a Savior. And if you don't get anything else I say today, get that right there. We are like lost sheep without Jesus Christ. And just as sheep need a shepherd, we need a Savior. We cannot get to heaven without Jesus our Savior. Luke 15, verse 1. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners, and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them. Isn't that amazing what they murmured about, we sing about? (laughs) Jesus, what a friend for sinners. What they complained about, we praise him about, because we know his heart. And And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. 
And I say unto you likewise. Can you read verse 7 with me? Let's all read verse 7 together. I say unto you likewise. Joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. More than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. So today I want to speak to you from this passage on three truths about soul winning. Three soul winning truths that Jesus teaches us from this parable. Let's pray. So Father, now take this moment of time and burden our hearts for the lost. And Lord, I pray that from this message that the response of each of us will be, I need to talk to somebody about you, Lord, because you're the good shepherd that every lost sheep needs. And we pray that you would work now in Jesus' name. Amen. So it seemed like this young man had it all going for him. He was 29 years old. He had been appointed the youngest district attorney in the United States, in the state of Kansas. He was appointed by Ulysses S. Grant back in the 1870s. 29 years old. Youngest appointed DA. He had it all. Intelligent lawyer. But things quickly fell apart for him. He was accused, and it was true, of financial misdealings. And after just six months, he was forced to resign. In order to dull his pain from that trial, he turned to alcohol. He returned to St. Louis broken, re-entered law practice, but he began drinking heavily. He ruined his law practice, he abandoned his wife, and his personal life was in shambles. But he had a friend. He had a friend named Thomas McFeeders. And Thomas McFeeders went to this individual. And the man of whom I speak is C.I. Schofield, who would later on go forth to edit really the first major study Bible known in our country, the Schofield Study Bible. Schofield's life had turned to heavy drinking. He abandoned his wife. He was a cheat and had been, had been forced to resign earlier, as I said, all these things. But his friend, he had a friend who went to him and challenged him. And Thomas McFeeders pressed Schofield and he said to him, why aren't you a Christian? That's what he said to him. Why aren't you a Christian? And Schofield said, oh, well, I, I'm an Episcopalian. And then McFeeder said, but do you know if you died today, where you would go? And Schofield had no idea. And McFeeders read God's word to him. And I'm going to read the scripture. You could turn there. Acts 13 and verses 38 and 39 are the scriptures that God used to bring C.I. Schofield to Christ as a mid-30-year-old man who was a hopeless drunk. He said later on, this is his testimony, fast bound in chains, no thought of Christ. He was ruined and hopeless. And he was bound in chains 
of his own forging. He said he was a drunken wretch. That's what Schofield said of himself. And McPheeters read to him, Acts 13, 38 and 39. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the what? Forgiveness of sins. You know what there is in Jesus? Forgiveness of sins. And by him, all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Only by him can you be forgiven and justified from your sins. There's no other way. What a friend to have. Thomas McFeeders sought out this lost sheep. And what a sheep he found. D.L. Moody's life was dramatic. I'm sorry. C.I. Schofield's life was dramatically changed. And he became an associate with the great evangelist D.L. Moody. And there was evangelistic campaigns in England and here in America. And then C.I. Schofield began teaching the Bible and began influencing others with the gospel, grew in the Lord. And God put it on his heart to create the study Bible, the Schofield study Bible, which has been so greatly used of God. One of the most influential works of, of all time, this, this Schofield study Bible. And really, it emphasized the dispensational interpretation of the Bible. I don't agree with all Schofield's notes, by the way, just to put it out there either. But it's a dispensational view of Scripture. And really, the Schofield Study Bible was the early Bible of Bible-believing fundamentalists in the 1900s. And I use that term in an historic sense. But you know what Schofield also did? He started the Philadelphia School of the Bible, which influenced a lot of great Bible teachers. And he also influenced Lewis Sperry Schaefer to start the Dallas Theological Seminary, one of the great dispensational seminaries. And there's been famous... Graduates from, from that school, like J. Vernon McGee, graduated from Dallas Theological Seminary, David Jeremiah, if you hear him on the radio, as well as Tony Evans and Chuck Swindoll, some famous radio names graduated out of this Bible school that was started through the influence. Schofield didn't start the Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm saying he influenced the man, Lewis Sperry Schaefer, who did. So, amazing thing. It's a challenge for us. Maybe God will put it on your heart to go to somebody and say, why aren't you a Christian? There's lost sheep all around us. So let's look at this parable this morning. And we want to see how Jesus' passion for the lost as this good shepherd, because really he is the good shepherd behind this parable, and we're all to be like him as good shepherd, as shepherd and go after the lost sheep. But Jesus is the ultimate good shepherd, the ultimate great shepherd who goes after the sheep. And his passion is evidenced, I say here, by aggressive, compassionate optimism. He goes after the sheep and he, he keeps looking for them until he what? Finds the lost sheep. He doesn't stop looking until he finds it. There's an optimism in, in each of these parables. The woman finds the coin. The prodigal son returns home. And so the lost are found in these three parables. So we should go forward aggressively, compassionately, but optimistically. And Jesus, in, in, we see in this parable, shows his personal seeking of the lost. He personally and perseveringly seeks for the lost until he finds it. So here's the message in a nutshell. Since we all have gone astray, all we like sheep have gone astray. Amen? That's true. 
We must embrace these three truths. Because if you're a sheep that has gone astray and you've been found, now God wants you to be a shepherd and go after the sheep. And so we need to embrace three truths to be soul winners like Jesus and for Jesus, the great winner of our souls. So the first truth we have to embrace is the sheep's helpless condition. The sheep was lost, it says in Luke chapter 15. Lost. In Matthew, in Matthew's gospel, it, it says the sheep had gone astray. That perhaps an even more powerful statement, the sheep had gone astray. In other words, the sheep had been deceived. The sheep left the fold and left the flock and wandered off. And sheep are easily led astray. And we, like sheep, have gone astray. We're easily deceived. We're easily led into false doctrine. We're easily led into believing in another Jesus. Not the Jesus of the Bible. We're gullible. Children believe in Santa Claus and adults believe in stranger lies. False prophets deceive many. By the way, the word gone astray, which is used in Matthew's gospel, we'll we'll go to Matthew as well. We'll kind of go back and forth, but lost is used in Luke, gone astray. Gone astray is often translated deceived. That's the idea of that word. Now, so a sheep is helpless. A sheep's helpless condition. A sheep left to itself ends up here. I mean, how does a sheep get there? And how does a sheep get out of that mess? He needs a shepherd. That sheep is lost. A sheep is absolutely helpless to direct itself. A sheep has no sense of direction. Once it gets lost, it can't say, oh, I'll just go home now. He can't find his way home. He doesn't know how to do that. He was, he, he's not built for that. He's not like a dog. A dog has an incredible sense of direction. When a dog wanders off, it knows how to smell its way home, right? A sheep doesn't do that. I remember when I was a, a kid, I had a, a dog. We got our dog. We found Sandy at the beach, at Oak Beach. My grandparents had a summer house in Oak Beach out on Long Island. And, and we found a stray dog there. Sandy brought her home. And I love Sandy. Sandy was kind of like my dog. And, and Sandy got, started running away one day and start, and I was just a little boy and I didn't understand. Sandy just started running away from me and I started chasing Sandy. Sandy come, and guess what Sandy did? Just kept running away. So I I couldn't catch Sandy. I'd get close and then she would just run away, dart away from me. And so I started crying that Sandy was just running away and wasn't going to be able to come home. And then a man saw me crying He said, son, what's wrong? I said, my dog's running away and I can't catch her and she's not coming home. He said, just let her go. She'll come home. And so I I said, okay, you know what? I was crying and I turned around. And sure enough, that dog did come home, just like he said. Dogs have a tremendous sense to track their way. But a sheep will just wander farther and farther away. A sheep has no sense of direction. It cannot direct itself and it cannot defend itself. Now, animals have all kinds of ways they can defend themselves, don't they? Some animals have fangs. 
Sheep have no fangs. Some animals have claws. Sheep have no claws. Some animals have horns. Sheep have no horns. Some animals can run fast and just get away. Sheep do not have speed. Some animals can hide. They burrow down and can, you know, get hide away in their home. A sheep can't do that either. There's a sheep is absolutely defenseless. Why? Because we are like sheep. God made sheep to remind us that we need a shepherd. And Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. He said he is. And we believe that. Throughout the Bible, we see Jesus Christ going after individual people. And that's my challenge to you today. I want you to think about somebody. Think about someone in your life. A family member. A friend co-worker, a neighbor, an individual. I want you to think of a specific individual who is lost. Maybe you've tried to witness to him in the past. That's good. Let's not give up. Let's not give up. But let's go after that individual. Think of how Jesus ministered. I mean, here he came all the way from heaven, the, the God of creation, but, and he ministered to the multitudes at times, but he ministered to individuals, didn't he? So there's like Nicodemus who came to him, a lost sheep, a religious man, but a lost religious sheep coming to Jesus by night. And Jesus shared salvation with Nicodemus. There was the woman at the well wandering, a woman just wandering around, going to the well, getting water, but wandering in life and her immorality, meeting Jesus. And Jesus told her that he's the water of life. I think of that woman with the issue of blood wandering in her sickness. So many people are wandering and hopeless in their sickness. They've spent all their money and time on one doctor after another. That was the woman with the issue of blood. But, well, she more came to Jesus. But Jesus ministered to that woman when she reached out and touched the hem of his garment or legion. What an incredible example when you think of that. Remember that story of legion? But you remember how Jesus and the disciples got there? They literally, that's where Jesus said, we're going to get into a boat. And that's when he got in the boat and he fell asleep. And the storm and the disciples thought they were all going to die. But then Jesus calmed the wind and the waves. And when they, when they got to the other side, who did they meet? Legion. They, almost, they risked their lives. Jesus and all the disciples physically risked their lives to bring the gospel to one absolutely crazed, shouting, clothless, demon-possessed man. Because they shared Jesus with him, and that guy was really saved. I mean, he, he was so saved, he put on clothes, he was in his right mind. He said, Jesus, I want to follow you. Remember that? Jesus said, no, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. And... And what an incredible thing. But, but then they left that, that area. Because remember, when he cleansed them, Jesus commanded the demons go out of legion. And where did they go into? They went into all the swine, all the pigs. And then the, the people in that neighborhood was like, get out of here, you just ruined our pig business. You know? They didn't want Jesus around. So they, they thrust him. So in other words, Jesus went through that storm and in a sense, risked the, his own life and the lives of his apostles to give the gospel to that one person. 
So let these words ring in your ears. Just like sheep need a shepherd, sinners need a Savior. We cannot save ourselves. Sinners need a Savior. So don't despise the lost sheep. Go to Matthew, please, chapter 18. And look what Jesus even says here. It is so easy for us who have been found to look down on those who are lost. How dare we? We must never forget what it was like to be lost. And we were lost one time if you're saved. If you're here today and you're not saved, and you're, you say, well, I am lost. I don't believe, I haven't believed in Jesus, but I know I need to. Well, praise God. We would rejoice, and we'll talk more about that at the end of the message, but just to let you know, I'm so glad you're here. And we, we, I want you to know Jesus will find you today. Jesus will save you today. Jesus will make you new today like he did C.I. Schofield and like he has done for many of us. Matthew 18, look at verse 10. And the whole context of this is the little children. Jesus said, let the little children come to you. Jesus said, if, if you do anything to offend these little children, it's better for you to to be cast into the sea with a millstone around your neck, not to do anything to offend the little children. And he said in verse 10, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. And notice in this context then, as I said earlier, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. And then he goes into the parable of the lost sheep in verse 12 and 13. And look at verse 14. He concludes after this parable, he then says, Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. I want us to pray for the little children coming into our country. Many are coming in through illegal immigration. Many of them are coming in through the southern border. And I know this is a political issue, but it is beyond a political issue. It is a spiritual issue. And when people speak against it, as I will speak against it, people will often charge me with racism to shut me down. But I say there's a big issue at at the southern border. There's drugs pouring into our country. They're killing many, many, many people. But there are children being trafficked who are being sold as sex slaves through our southern border. And let's not ignore it. Let us not look down on the little children. He says, take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. How, oh Lord, forgive us for despising the little ones who are being trafficked even into our own country. You know, there was a, a movie this past year that came out called The Sound of Freedom. And it uncovered just a small little piece of the evil that is going on in our own country. You see, beloved, as we get further and further from God, little children who are the most vulnerable, will be despised and used and abused for the pleasure and the profit of wicked people. And that's what's happening in our country. We need to pray for the lost sheep, these little children coming into our nation. This 
movie, Sound of Freedom, it showed that there is a whole network and a setup to lure children into the sex rings and then sell them and bring them into America. I'm not talking about the Far East. I'm not talking about other cultures where this has been happening forever as well. I'm talking about the United States of America. We need to pray about this and pray that it would be defeated because these children are then brought into the country. I don't know where they're going, but God sees them. But Jesus says that he cares for every single one of them. It is not your father's will that one of these little ones should perish. I I just wanted to bring that out and say we need to be in prayer for our nation that God would bring real conviction and the defeat of this evil that is happening. The second truth we need to embrace as soul winners, embrace the sheep's helpless condition. They're helpless to direct and defend themselves, but we need to embrace the Savior's humble compassion. Now, when we think about the Savior being the loving shepherd and us being like the lost sheep, don't we kind of all see ourselves as that one lost sheep that Jesus went out of his way to find and he looked for you until he found you? Don't you feel so personally loved by Jesus Christ if you're his sheep today? Don't you feel like Jesus just went all the way in love with an all-absorbing, if you will, an all-absorbing focus to find you and he searched for you and he used means, he used circumstances, he used pain, he used people, he used friends, he used who, whatever situation. He brought you to a place where you said, Lord Jesus, save me! Aren't, aren't you loved by Jesus? Yes. Well, the same way Jesus did that for you, he's doing that for someone out there right now. He's doing that for somebody out there. We don't know who they are, where they are. Maybe you're here. Come to Jesus today. But I say to you, Jesus has such a personal love, a passionate love, a persevering love, a humble, compassionate love as our good shepherd. So notice just a couple things quickly here. We notice the chase of this shepherd. In both these parables... The shepherd leaves the 99 to go search for the one. The one is important. Because the one could be you. And you're important. So in, in, despite the, the roughness of the way, despite the weariness of the body, despite the darkness of the night, despite the storminess of the condition, despite the coldness of the circumstances, the, the shepherd goes out and he searches and he searches until he finds the sheep. He's persistent, and he perseveres with passion, seeking for the one who goes astray. In this chase, now are you still in Matthew? Look at Matthew 18, look at verse 12. And there's an interesting way that Matthew writes this, where he says, How think ye, if a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray. 
So this is actually like in a present tense verb. In other words, the shepherd is seeking the sheep while the sheep has gone astray. While it is astray. And now think about this. When people are living in their deception, sometimes they're not the kind of people we really want to be around sometimes. Maybe they curse. Maybe they blaspheme. Maybe they, they do things that, that, that in their lifestyle that we don't agree with. People who are living as lost sheep astray in their deception are often not easy to love. They have pride. They reek with alcohol. They've made bad decisions. They're lost. They're blaspheming the Lord. And we say, well, I I don't really want to be around that person. But Jesus, the good shepherd, is literally going after the sheep while they're in that condition. That's the kind of person we need to try to reach. And I'm pointing to myself today. That's the kind of person that Thomas McFeeders sought after when he went after C.I. Schofield, who was living in that drunken state. So who can you reach out to that is presently astray? And who can you just boldly confront in love, in love, and, and say to them, why aren't you a Christian? Why aren't you a Christian? You need to come to the Lord. So seeking, he went to seek after that while it was astray. While it was in such dire straits. The chase and then the capture. In both these parables, the shepherd seeks the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he he doesn't berate the sheep. If you go to Luke chapter 15, go back there and we'll stay there. But in Luke 15, it says when he found it, he lays it on his shoulders. And is is he like telling the sheep, you stupid sheep. How'd you get in this situation in the first place? Why'd you? No. He's not berating and putting down. What is he doing? What does it say? What's the last word of verse 5? Yeah, rejoicing. He's rejoicing. He's rejoicing. The capture of the shepherd is with rejoicing, so not with any kind of despising. I read, I, I found a story. Maybe you heard about this. This was last May in 2023. I think it went viral. There's a Nepali, a man from Nepal. He's called a Sherpa. A Sherpa is an ethnic Nepali man who's expert in mountain climbing. And this, this uh, Nepali Sherpa, his name was Gelji. I'll just say it. I, I'm not sure I'm saying his name properly, but Gelji. And Gelji was taking a private client up to the top of Mount Everest. They were 500 meters from the top of Mount Everest when they saw a man who was in danger, who was in this area. They even called this area the Mountain's Death Zone. He was in the death zone where oxygen levels were so low and his oxygen levels were low. He was struggling to breathe. He he would have died. And so Gelgi ran over to that man and wrapped him in his mattress and put him on his back and took him down the mountain, didn't make it to the top of Mount Everest with his client, sacrificed that in order to save a life. Six hours down the mountain with this man. Because he was in danger. Because he was in the mountain's death zone. Do you know who's in danger? Those without Jesus Christ. Where's the death zone on earth? 
everywhere. The soul that sinneth will die, and we've all sinned, and come short of the glory of God. It's appointed unto man once to die. Really, you can't get away from the death zone. (laughs) We're living in the death zone. And the sheep are going to die. And sheep need a shepherd to save them, because if they die without Jesus, they'll die and go to hell. When Jesus finds a sheep, he puts it on his shoulders rejoicing. Go to Deuteronomy 22, please. In Deuteronomy 22, in the law, there's an interesting little phrase that appears three times in verses 1 through 4. I'm not going to read all these verses, but I want to highlight this phrase that appears here. And I'll read a couple of these verses in Deuteronomy 22, beginning at verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 1, he says, Thou shalt not see thy brother's ox or his sheep go astray and hide thyself from them. Thou shalt in any case bring them again unto thy brother. So if you see that your brother's sheep goes astray, he says, as a good neighbor, you don't ignore it. You don't pretend like, oh, it's not, it's not astray. Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> No, if you see it astray, then there's a responsibility you have, there's a responsibility you have to, to find that, to get that sheep and bring it back to its owner. And you can't, like, ignore it. That's what he's saying. And that's the phrase that appears, it appears at the end of verse 3, where he says, In like manner shalt thou do with his ass, so shalt thou do with his raiment, his clothes, as with all lost thing of thy brothers, which he hath lost, you, and you have found, Shalt thou do likewise? You may not hide thyself. Okay, so if, if you find your, let's say your neighbor left some clothes, you know, he visited your house and he left some clothes behind, you're like, oh, wow, those are really nice clothes. I, I, I'm just going to pretend like they're mine, you know. And, and you no, know, you're supposed to give them back to your neighbor, you know. So you, you can't hide these things. You can't just ignore them. And again, we see the phrase in verse 4. It's another similar phrase. He says, you shall not see your brother's ass or his ox fall down by the way and hide thyself from them. Ignore them. You know, and when it comes, what I'm saying is this. When it comes to lost souls, we can easily ignore them. We can pretend, oh, I don't really see their situation. We should see their situation. And we should care for them. We should be like Jesus. We should have a passion for them. And we should persistently seek to win them. And we should lovingly, and I say lovingly, confront them. I read an amazing story. And you could find it online. There was a ship called the Danmark Ship. This was back in 1889. The Denmark ship was filled with over 700 passengers from Norway moving to America as immigrants. And they were going to move to Nebraska and Iowa and set up a new life there, these 700 immigrants. But the ship sprung a catastrophic leak. And for a few days, it was literally just wandering around in, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. It couldn't propel itself, and it was taking on water. Passengers on the ship, there were some Christians, and they were praying for God to have mercy upon them. After a couple of days, a small cargo ship called the U.S. Missouri passed by. This cargo ship was not built to carry more than 20 passengers. It was a cargo ship, not a passenger ship. 
This passenger ship had 700 people in it. So when the captain of this cargo ship, his name was Captain Morell, and his crew of 37 heard about this, they said, well, we certainly can't take all these passengers onto our ship. We'll just tow it. We'll try to tow the ship. So they began to tow this ship to try to bring it to the nearest dock, but the ship was taking on water too fast. It was sinking. And so the people in the Denmark said, we're sinking. The only hope for us is to be able to come onto your ship. And the storm, there was a huge storm. The storm was raging. It was knocking the boats all around. Waves were breaking. The passengers, there, there, was a, there were women who were pregnant. There were small children. Seven, over 700 passengers. In the midst of that raging storm, pass, uh, Captain Morell decided to take on all the 700 passengers onto his ship. And for six hours... They brought the passengers from lifeboats, and then in a, you could read the story if you want. You could just Google the U.S. Denmark, and it's, it's a kind of an amazing story how they got even the women and the children up the boat because the, the waves were breaking so hard they just couldn't put up a ladder for them to climb up. The waves and, and just the, the wind and everything that was howling around, but they got every person onto that cargo ship safely. But now they only had food for like two or three days. And so they had to quickly make it to, to the port and to save all those passengers. And, and the captain of that cargo ship even gave up. He gave up his, his quarters for women and children. And as well as the other crew of that cargo ship, they all gave up their quarters. They sacrificed to bring in these passengers who basically then were sleeping out on the, 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 the men and others who were sleeping out just on the, on the, What do you call them? The open deck. Thank you. Thank you. Deck. It's amazing how you can't think of a word when you need it. But I'm glad you're listening. But people were lost. And they were going to die. And sacrifices, some sacrifices had to be made. The last thing is the community's happy celebration. What a heavenly joy we see when that lost is found. Look what happens. Look what Jesus says. He's rejoicing. Jesus is rejoicing. And then he says to his friends, when he comes home, look what he says in verse 6. Rejoice with me. I'm here to say that when a soul comes to Jesus, if you're here today without salvation in Christ, but you say, I need Jesus, I'm a sinner, without him I'll die and go to hell, because you will pay for your sins without Jesus. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We will die for our sins if we don't believe in Jesus. But when we believe in Jesus, then his death pays for our sins. And we can be saved. And when you are saved, Jesus rejoices. Jesus in heaven rejoices. And then he says, rejoice with me. We can rejoice with Jesus when a soul becomes saved. You know what's heaven on earth? It is heaven on earth to see soul saved 
from hell. Let's pray that God would do that in our village right here in Manhattan, throughout New York City. People need to find Jesus. People need salvation. And you're, I know you have the, I know you know the gospel. Many of you know the gospel. You have a burden for souls. I know many of you have a burden for souls. Thank God for that. Don't let that fire die. Keep that fire burning. And keep sharing the gospel because it is joy to share the gospel. And it is joy when people come to know Jesus Christ. And we can rejoice with Jesus. As I close, I want to make two interesting points. I thought this was so interesting because as this parable closes, Jesus uses the word repent twice. And he says, I say unto you likewise, there shall be uh, in heaven, joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. So wait a minute. The sheep he founds is an example of what? Repentance. The sheep that got lost, that Jesus went out of his way, the sheep that couldn't find its way back, that Jesus found, grabs, puts on his shoulders, carries home, that sheep is a picture of true repentance. True repentance. Repentance is a changing of one's mind that leads to a whole change of life, for sure. But in a sense, repentance is where you just say, I cannot save myself. And you surrender yourself to Jesus. And this this parable shows us that repentance is not a work of the flesh. Repentance is absolutely necessary to our conversion to God. We repent and believe, neither are a work. Both are by grace. God gives us the grace to repent. He gives us the grace to believe. We're responsible to do both. But yes, repentance is a new direction. But that direction now that we're going when we repent in salvation is Jesus is carrying us in the right way. It's all by grace. What a, what a picture of repentance. Have you ever thought of that being repentance? Jesus capturing a lost sheep, putting it on his shoulders, and carrying it back home, surrendering to Jesus Christ to let him save you from your wandering. Submit to his loving hands and change your mind to your ways. The second truth about repentance here, though, is that true repentance results here in a salvation that you cannot lose. And I believe this is a very strong statement for eternal security. In other words, once we're born again, we will not and cannot be lost. We are eternally safe in Jesus Christ. Now that should not give the Christian any license to do anything but love and live for God. Eternal security is not a license for you to go do and what, do what you want. If you, if you think that's what eternal security is for, then I doubt your salvation. But when we're truly born again, we're safe in Jesus Christ. And nothing and no one can pluck us out of his hand. But look at what it says. He says, there shall be joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. More than over 99 just persons that need no repentance. In other words, how could heaven rejoice if somebody repents today if they could be lost tomorrow? That wouldn't make any sense. 
Heaven wouldn't rejoice today if they would just be lost again tomorrow. No, they rejoice when one is found because once they are found, they will no longer be lost. Heaven is rejoicing because a soul has been found and a soul saved today cannot be lost tomorrow. And that's why we can rejoice today when a soul truly is born of God. I pray the angels will sing today throughout America. Maybe they will do some singing right here at Heritage Baptist Church. If there's anyone here today that needs Jesus Christ as their Savior, I invite you to call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. He's a great shepherd. He loves you so much. He died for you on the cross. He shed his blood. He bodily rose again. He's seated at the Father's right hand. I'm not so sure who the 99 are who don't need repentance. There's two main views. Spurgeon says that the 99 just refer to people who have already been saved and you don't need to repent again to be saved. I mean, repentance is, we talked about that in ABF. Repentance is a daily thing for Christians. But as far as repentance unto salvation happens one time. You could liken it to, let's say, if a, a family has 10 kids, right? And they all go into Walmart and they're looking around and all of a sudden the mother l- realizes, oh no, Johnny, where's Johnny? He's lost, you know? And she's all worried about Johnny and they look around for Johnny for a whole hour and she's all worried and stressed and everything. But then they find Johnny. Guess what? At that moment, she's going to be happy that they found Johnny more than over the nine that didn't get lost. <laughs> so in a, in a sense, you could look at it that way. But others look at it that the 99, and I won't get, go deep into this because we'll talk about the elder brother, but it could be the 99 are the ones who don't think they need repentance. They're the religious ones that Jesus is actually directing this parable to. So you can take your pick on that one. But I believe ultimately the parable is about the one sheep that is found. So I close with this. Are you that sheep? And will you hear the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Let's stand together as we pray. I want to thank you for your kind attention today. And I want to just encourage that one lost sheep here today. Do you feel out of reach? Maybe you don't even feel very much your need. Or maybe you feel that you're beyond help or hope. But you're not. And if you're without Christ, you do have a need. And you need Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lord of heaven and earth, the one who left heaven to go to a cross for you. The reason He did is because you will die for your sins if you don't have Him. And the death you will die will be forever in hell. Jesus went to that cross to save you. And He's the Good Shepherd who now 
shouts to your soul, come, believe in me. I will give you rest. Jesus left heaven to seek for us and for you. Do you feel out of reach? Your life is a mess. He can turn your mess into a message and you're never out of reach to Jesus Christ. He's reaching out to you now and saying, come. How many would say, Pastor Matt, I have been saved. I was that lost sheep, but Jesus saved me. Can I see your hand? And there's hands all over the building here today of people who have come to Christ. And if you've been saved, can you just say hallelujah? Are you thankful you're saved? Say hallelujah. There's no one here that regrets coming to Christ. Thank you. You may put your hands down. I would just ask if you're here without Jesus today. I'm not here to force you or pressure you to do something you don't want to do. But if you say, Pastor Matt, I need Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I need to be found by Him to have eternal life. Can I see your hand? Is there anyone? Even one hand. Is there anyone who'd say, Pastor Matt, pray for me? Oh Lord, please work. Please work in our lives. And give us a burden for the lost sheep. Have mercy on our nation, God. We pray for the little children. Many hundreds and thousands of little children coming into our country. Many without parents or even family. But they're being trafficked. We pray, God, that you would defeat the wickedness that is happening. And that you would have mercy on the little children around the world who are being used and abused, God. And then, Lord, we pray for our city. God, we pray that you would give us a burden and a passion such as you had, Lord. Forgive us for the coldness of our hearts. Lord, I think it would be good for us sometime to just leave the 90 and 9 and go find that one that's lost and, and go, go to where they are and see how they're living and we'll get a fresh vision of, of their need. Lord, wake us up and stir us up to continued burden and vision and hope and optimism that you're the savior of men and that you will do it and you can do it, Lord. And how many would say, Pastor Matt, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Yes, I raise my hand and I want to be the one who will go look for that lost sheep and pray that I will be able to lovingly confront one lost sheep for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ. Even this year, I'm not saying tomorrow or today, sometime this year, you say, I'm going to do it by the grace of God. Can I see your hand? Just say, and I'm saying you're going to work and pray toward that end. Lord, use us. You see our hands up, God, as we go and as we talk and as we love others. Oh, we pray for their salvation now, Lord. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.